Hey Pios, welcome back to The Piopod, a podcast created by the Pioneer Log to help you stay connected with the ideas, projects, humans, and events that make up Lewis and Clark College. I'm your host, Charlotte Powers. The Piopod releases a new episode every other Friday, along with the Pioneer Log's printed issue. We have some great stories airing on the show today, including interviews with the new international affairs professor, Suparna Chaudhry, and the Dean of Spiritual Life, Mark Duntley, talking about how his study abroad trip to London was canceled over the summer. And to close the show, I'll be saying a few words about the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Our first story is shared by Jillian Jackson, a regular contributor for the Pioneer Log. She interviewed our Dean of Spiritual Life, Mark Duntley, who was supposed to be leading this semester study abroad trip to London. Both Jillian and I were signed up to study abroad with Mark, but alas, our study abroad trip was another missed opportunity due to the pandemic. I personally was very disappointed when I found out our trip was canceled, but Jillian's interview with Mark certainly left me with higher spirits. Let's have a listen. I want to take us uh, a minute back to June when the overseas office announced formal cancellation of fall 2020 programs. What was your initial reaction like when you heard that news? Um, Well, obviously my initial reaction was, was disappointment. And, um, and actually, to be honest, I wasn't as disappointed for me and for Melinda as I was for students. I mean, I just sort of felt like you all, we'd all put a lot into this. We'd all wanted to go and we knew, you know, I, I knew it wasn't looking good in, in the UK just because I'd also had my daughter living there and taking a, and doing a master's program there. And I got to hear what it was like. And I realized that before they made the decision that, you know, unless things change dramatically, we wouldn't be able to do the kinds of excursions that I thought were, you know, significant and important for the program. So half the fun was uh, of this particular humanities, the London humanities program would be to be taking this class and then going and seeing these places in London that corresponded to these historical events. And, um, and I wasn't sure we'd even be able to do that long before June 1st. So so, you know, it was disappointment, but mostly, you know, I've seen so many times uh, over the years, the alumni coming back and getting together in their uh, overseas groups with their leaders. And, and I was, you know, always kind of jealous. And I thought, this will be fun. And so I realized that wasn't going to happen, at least in the fall. And we weren't going to be able to create that kind of community and bond. So, yeah, it was sad. But it wasn't surprised because COVID had demonstrated its ability to be quite uh, pernicious and persistent. And I didn't feel like we'd be safe either. So, um, and, and I, first and foremost, I want everybody to be safe. Of course. Um, and that sort of leads me into my next question. So London 2020, of course, um, was postponed until spring 2021. However, the overseas office might cancel those programs as well in an announcement that'll come October 1st. Uh, What's your opinion about whether study abroad for next semester should move forward? Um, Yeah, I think that in this case, 
especially London, you know, spring 21, uh, it doesn't still look good to me. I don't feel confident um, in that. I'm not even sure if I was living in UK and was doing an overseas program in the US that I'd feel confident going that direction either. I mean, it would sort of depend. Um, uh, and London's such a big city. So, so my feeling is that safety is the first priority. We don't want students uh, exposed to COVID. Um, we can't control our own government, more or less a, a foreign government. So unless there was absolute assurance that students would be safe, I, and the living situation that, that in our program was proposed and, and we knew what happened, didn't sound particularly good for a COVID pandemic. Uh, so I felt, I feel like th it would be a stretch to be able to do the spring. And I never was very confident that things would be settled. And even if there's a vaccine that comes out, we know that's gonna take a long time to roll out and be available. So I just think the timing, unfortunately, for this whole academic year is probably just unfortunate and it probably won't work. And the most important thing is to have the kind of experience you want and the safety of students from infection by the disease. And, you know, it's bad enough to get sick here, but to get sick in a different country, even though they have a much better healthcare system than we do, uh, might, might be a tough thing. Uh, there are other programs that were scheduled. I saw the list of the professors. Uh, I think Bly sent us all a, an email saying, you know, the decision would be made by October 1st. And I think Tamily is one of the professors and, and uh, obviously Bruce, because his program was can't, uh, postponed for the fall. So I just don't, you know, I thought, well, none of us want to go when we can't be sure we're going to have safe experiences with students. I think that's my bottom line. So uh, as much as I'd love to, to do it, um, I, I think as soon as I realized we weren't going in the fall, I sort of projected farther into the future, fall 2021 or fall 2022. Another question I had is uh, you and your wife were incredibly excited about leading London 2020 together. You've spoken about London 2020 as a capstone project at LC before your next adventure or possibly retirement. Uh, how would cancellation of the spring 2021 program alter your plans for the rest of your time with us here at LC? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, right now I want to be in London, but no, in any case, uh, I can't, but with, with all of you, but, but I think um, it, it would just remind me if, if this didn't happen during this academic year, which um, I'm pretty confident it probably won't, but I don't know. I would just have to re be reminded that we never can foretell the future, that we always have to live in the present and not necessarily live for the future. And so, you know, what it would do is just remind me to take advantage of all the things that I like about Lewis and Clark and do the things I can do at Lewis and Clark to help in this difficult time because Lewis and Clark is facing, you know, not only uh, the, the restrictions of, of the pandemic and COVID, but it's also facing, you know, budgetary issues and other issues that just go along with not as many students coming because of the pandemic and all the other things that are happening. So, or even students not returning because they, you know, are, aren't sure about safety. And, 
And, you know, classes are different. You know what it's like. You were here before it happened. So we all know how that's changed. And I do too, because I taught second semester E&D last year and I realized, wow, this is a really different environment on, on Zoom uh, or even if it's a hybrid or partially in, you know, in, in person and all that. I just, I wasn't scheduled to teach this fall except in London. And I have to say, I was relieved uh, because I thought this would be so much harder to create the kind of liberal arts environment and experience and community um, that we really all uh, relish about Lewis and Clark. And uh, I think the professors are doing a great job from what I can uh, tell. And then I hear a lot of, uh, on the listserv and talk to students and professors, but it's just so challenging. So it, it'll really change in the sense of, you know, my future, whether I get to lead this program or not is kind of unknown really. Um, but uh, it just reminds me that you have to take what you can out of your experiences. And I just think, well, I actually learned a lot about London, thanks to our orientation, thanks to the things I did in preparation. And that was all good. And if I don't get to take students to London with Melinda, then we will just have to go on our own. <laughs> but a, a better shorter answer is, I don't really know, Jillian. Uh, it's hard to say how this future will play out, but it definitely has impacted. And it's just reminded me too of how important uh, overseas study is for us as an institution and how taking this away and the pandemic taking this away is a really great loss. Uh, and I know that's not just for us. I know it's for other institutions that do overseas uh, programs. So, so um, yeah, it's, 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 it's deeply disappointing and sad at one level. And it's just a reminder that life doesn't work out the way we think it does all the time. And we just have to be prepared to make the best out of it. I love that optimistic take. I mean, one thing I'm really personally grateful for is I probably wouldn't have met Charlotte before she graduated and now we're close friends. And she was part of like the encouragement for me to even join the pilog. So I, I take a lot out of the experience, even if it doesn't end up you know, hopefully one day we'll be in London, but if that doesn't happen, um, there's still a lot of, of good things that came out of this, at least for me, and it sounds like for you too, which is great. Yeah, well, and you know, 2022, I think, and that's, that's the one to go on, the humanities, London Humanities 2022, so, and you know, if I'm not doing it, I would guess that maybe an English professor, perhaps, or someone else that uh, from, that group of professors who helped initiate this program would be leading it and it would be a great opportunity for you and you could still do it. And so, I mean, you know, as I said, the, the, those of you who are first years were fortunate because you sort of have a little bit more flexibility. But I've heard most of the students I've talked to who didn't make the program because of course it didn't happen, um, have made other plans and have tried to make lemonade out of lemons you know and sort of say okay I can do this or I can do that and uh, you know uh, it isn't the same as London obviously or or Thailand for the Southeast Asia program but but it's still you just have to you just have to adapt I mean I think that's one thing human beings are good at doing is if they give themselves you know uh, the permission to do it is to adapt and even if we don't like it we're, we're actually pretty good at it sometimes uh, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you would like to tell me or that you want Pile Log readers to know? 
Well, I guess what I'd say is the one thing I learned in, in all this that's uh, I'm not surprised about, but it was reinforced in, in this whole process of applying to be a leader, of promoting a program, of recruiting students, of choosing students, and orienting students almost all of the way <laughs> through the process uh, is how wonderful all the Rosen Clark students are. I mean, and every single one of you, uh, I would have enjoyed getting to know more. I know Melinda would have too. And I think that's the advantage of, of these programs is that you get connected, as you said, with Charlotte or with other people you wouldn't necessarily even be connected with. And you get to, to become friends and you learn things together. You get to have experiences that you'll always share. And so I just learned that I, I just really, really admire and like Lewis and Clark students. And there's quite a variety of different students. And, uh, you know, there's a few uh, people that might have been more fun to have in class than others. And some might have pushed me as a professor more than I wanted, you know, so, and, but that's good too. You can actually have that kind of experience as a professor. And the best part is learning with your students. So anyway, so I think that's the, the thing I was reminded of is that um, even though we didn't get to go together, we still got to know each other a little bit. And I was just reminded of all the strengths and, and capabilities and wonderful qualities you all have. And um, they'll just have to show forth in a different context. That's all. And in any case, I, I just think also, you know, just remind yourself of the, you never know when one door closes, uh, another door will open somewhere. And I really do think that that's true. Um, I've seen people uh, in the worst situations as the Dean of Spiritual Life and as a, a chaplain and a clergy person, I've seen people in the worst possible circumstances where they would even describe it as their worst nightmare. And then after a certain amount of time, things weren't quite as bleak. So I think we all have to just remind ourselves that, you know, in the worst of circumstances, there's always possibility for renewal and opportunities that you never expected. story is told by the Pioneer Log's opinion editor, Bella Met, who spoke with Professor Suparna Chaudhry, one of the two new faculty members who have joined the International Affairs Department. Here's more on that story. So how are you liking Portland and LC so far? Minus the smoke, obviously. <laughs> so I moved to Portland at the end of July, and I moved from Virginia. So it was a pretty big step, a pretty big move given that we were, I was moving in the middle of a pandemic here. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about being in the Pacific Northwest, excited about exploring it before rainy season gets here. Yes. Um, and happy to see that the rain will get rid of the smoke so I can actually go out and enjoy before <laughs> it's yes. cooler. So, so yeah. you were in Virginia before uh, what university? Where else have you taught before? Yeah, so before this, I was working at Christopher Newport University, which is a liberal arts school. It's a public liberal arts school in Virginia. 
um, of course, it was a much bigger liberal arts school. It was 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. um, this is 1,800. But this is sort of the size of where I went to undergrad. I went to undergrad at a liberal arts school in New Delhi, India, which was also the same size as mm -hmm. Lewis and Clark. Yeah. So in that sense, I have a pretty good sense of how such small schools work. And I've also taught at Yale and Dartmouth before that. Wonderful. So actually that brings, I actually had a question. So I did look at your website a little bit before I just to kind of get some questions. And I did read that you went to school in Delhi. Uh, what like made you want to come to the University of Chicago and then later Yale? What made you come to the United States? Yeah, I was really, I mean, obviously now that I'm here, uh, I was really interested in international relations. Um, and I had a, a few male family members who had also studied in the US, so it was sort of almost like the default option for me, that if you're interested in international affairs and you have these graduate programs, and I applied to like four different countries, oh. um, France, England, Japan, and the US, and I just handed, ended up going to the US, so, and since then it's been pretty part dependent since yeah. then, yeah. yeah. Is that how you knew you wanted to do, did you just know you wanted to do international law, human rights, NGOs, or? Not really, I just knew I was interested in international politics, um, but yeah, I didn't have anything more defined, and also like human rights, international law wasn't really a part of my curriculum at the University of Chicago, so that was a later development. Okay. Um, Chicago was more based around like security and war. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yes. <laughs> so if you're interested in inter international law and human rights, why not go into law per se and rather the research part of it? So I mean. I like that Lewis and Clark still, you know, fo gives equal focus on research and teaching. I know I didn't want to go to law school because I was more interested in the political aspect of international law and human rights. And but at the same time, I like teaching, so I like that you know Yale provides you with the training and the resources to be able to conduct this sort of research. But at the same time, I like teaching as well, which is why I think Lewis and Clark with it, sort of its equal emphasis on research and teaching. Yeah. Um, it's such a good place to pursue both. Yeah, that's really awesome. So what specific classes are you teaching this year? And what are some potential classes you hope to teach later or just any goals you have while being yeah. Lewis and Clark? Yeah, so this semester I'm teaching human rights and introduction to international relations and then next semester I'm teaching the intro class again and international law. And then over the, you know, as time unfolds, I have a number of courses that I'd be interested in teaching, so mm -hmm. non-state actors and global governance, mm -hmm. um, courses on democratic erosion and democratic backsliding, and then I'm, I also really want to teach a course on um, understanding war and conflict through graphic novels. Yeah, yeah I just, I love, you know, it, they sort of combine the aspects of, certain aspects of, you know, fiction, but at yeah. the same time, they're all books that I have in mind are all written by authors who've like That's lived through these civil wars, these conflicts. And I really sort of want to combine the two um, and hopefully appeal to more majors and even majors like you who are sort of on the fence between like English and international affairs and that way I feel like I'm, I'm able to reach a broader audience yeah. as well. well. I think that like life often reflects, fiction right. often reflects life and Right, treatment. yeah, so when you said you were an English major, I was like, I have the perfect class for that, but I don't know when I'm teaching it. <laughs> yeah, speaking of classes, I was reading on your website that, I, I, I'm not sure if it was Christopher Newport University, you were teaching about politics in India. Would you do anything about even just South Asian politics in general, human rights in 
India or South Asia specifically at any point? or? So I've taught a study abroad course at my previous institution. I like that LC also has an India study abroad. So yeah, along both lines, yeah, I'd be interested eventually in heading the India program. Um, yeah. You know, being a faculty leader on that trip, but mm -hmm. also, you know, thinking through offering courses on the legacies of colonialism with oh, a specific yeah. lens on South Asia yeah. would be a course I would be definitely interested yeah. in teaching. So to those like interested in international law, working with NGOs and fighting for human rights, what do you recommend to them other than taking the courses, obviously? Yeah, so there's a few different things to keep in mind. So I think the easiest way to start thinking about it is first figuring out if this is the path that you want, because I find that a lot of students theoretically want it, but once they start interning or, or working at organizations that focus on human rights and law as their, and social justice as their mission, so it is not an easy life. Yep. Many of these nonprofits don't pay well. Um, sometimes you are put in regions, across the world other than the US, which are obviously under really trying circumstances. Oh, yeah. So this is why I recommend that people should try and intern at these organizations if they can, prior to you know taking up bigger roles at these organizations yeah. and not being prepared. So in that aspect, I think we are lucky that we have Mercy Corps in Portland, that's yeah. an important resource. There's of course like plenty of social justice organizations in Portland, which not quite international affairs related, but if you know either people have resources or there are we can you know talk to organizations that actually pay interns over the summer, um, then those would be important routes to pursue. I find it incredibly frustrating when these sorts of organizations which are talking about social justice don't pay their interns over the summer because yeah. it's sort of at odds with them. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but I've had uh, a number of students who've like intern for the International Rescue Committee, which works primarily with refugees um, and international crises across the globe. And all the, most of the offices across the US are not in like big cities, expensive locations. So that's sort of another organization that I direct people towards because it's easier to live in places that are in like smaller towns, obviously, as opposed to DC or New York. Of course, yes. Yeah. Um, so I have students who work there who've gone on to then pursue jobs with like refugee relief and humanitarian organizations. So it's just a matter of thinking like A, does it suit your personality type? But B, where would you live and where do you hope to live in the future? Are you open to living in smaller places? Are you open to living abroad? Then yeah, pursuing those regions that you haven't been before, it's also a good learning opportunity. And then the other thing I recommend is um, for students who are really interested in going abroad and maybe eventually pursuing that path through the State Department, um, there's something called a critical language scholarship that's offered by the State Department. Oh. So students can apply and the State Department will pay you to live in an area with what they define as a critical language. And it's like a super intensive, immersive experience and mm -hmm. it can either be summer or it can be like a semester or a year long. Yeah. But that's like the best way to learn a language and the State oh, yes. Department is paying you to do it. Um, and since these are critical languages, like, you know, it's opening up a lot of potentially different career paths for you. So it's incredibly competitive, but I think it's like a great learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think by the time people reach their senior year, they should be pretty competitive.
this issue, I wrote an opinion article paying tribute to the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg. This opinion is entirely my own and does not represent that of the Pioneer Log or its editorial board. The death of RBG inspired considerable debate over her legacy, her values, and her contributions to American life. If you passionately share my opinion or disagree with me wholeheartedly, please consider writing for the Pioneer Log's opinion section or submitting a letter to the editor at thepiolog at lclark.edu. I heard the news of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing while browsing the wine aisle in my local grocery store. In that moment, my heart dropped what felt like a hundred stories, and it has not hit the ground since. Ginsburg was truly an icon. She was championed for her liberal position on issues surrounding gender equality, reproductive rights, and LGBTQ rights. Her scrupulous eye for the law and determination to advocate for disenfranchised groups made her an admired justice, regardless of her left leanings. Ginsburg passed on September 18th, and I feel she has not and will not receive a proper mourning. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, in his hunger for political power, is determined to vote in a new justice before the general election. President Trump recently nominated Amy Coney Barrett, a professor at Notre Dame School of Law and a judge of the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. Even though Ginsburg's dying wish was to, quote, not be replaced until a new president is installed, end quote, McConnell and President Trump have made it clear that political power and conservatism are paramount to respect and decency. Many leftists have voiced their criticism of the justice since her passing. I will admit that I have not always agreed with Ginsburg's rulings, particularly her endorsement of placing the Atlantic Coast Pipeline below the Appalachian Trail. However, I often need to remind myself that while Ginsburg was labeled as a liberal judge, she worked within an institution designed to be removed from political opinions and pressures. While I'm sure the justice appreciated her liberal supporters, she certainly did not allow their support to govern her readings of the law, and quite frankly, that is how exactly it should be. While American government is overwhelmed by two-party politics, the Supreme Court should be a place untouched by political intentions. The question of whether this has been truly accomplished or will continue this way is up to you. I think it is appropriate to take this time to grieve, but I also think it is our obligation to channel this grief into action by casting our ballots this November and encouraging our peers to engage in the political process. I understand that many feel the mantra, quote, we need to vote, is repetitive and belaboring the point. But quite frankly, there has never been a presidential election in U.S. history that was as consequential as the one that approaches us. This could very well be the last free and fair election our country participates in, considering Trump will refuse to leave the Oval if he loses the election. More importantly, this could very well be our last chance to preserve the democratic values our country and constitution were created to uphold. If you feel this mantra, quote, belabors the point, then you are clearly missing the point. I obviously did not know Ginsburg personally. Heck, I'd never even been in the same room as her. But I feel confident when I say that this is what she would have wanted, to make our voices heard to continue holding our lawmakers accountable, and to study our laws with an attentive lens. This is what she would have wanted. This is what I want. And I hope this is what you want too. 
So I dedicate this episode, my three bottles of Chardonnay, and my continual engagement in politics to the esteemed RBG. Rest in power, Ruth. The music for today's episode was provided by Ketza, Poddington Bear, Chad Crouch, and The Approval Seekers. A special thanks to Bella Met, Professor Suparna Chaudhry, Jillian Jackson, and Dean Mark Dunley for joining me today. If you have any stories you think should be aired on this show, don't hesitate to email me at thepiopod at lclark.edu. If you have any suggestions as to how this show can improve, you can also contact me using the email above. That's all for this week, but tune in on Friday, October 16th to hear the latest news happening at Lewis and Clark College. See you next time on The Piopod. <laughs>